1: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, September 4th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a ruling in a Hines County Chancery Court grants voters with pre-existing conditions eligibility to vote absentee. But an attorney with the Mississippi Center for Justice says the decision falls short. Then, the retired 1894 flag has long been seen as a hindrance for economic growth. We hear from the Economic Council about how Mississippi's new flag can open doors. Plus, the coast celebrates post-Katrina revitalization with the grand opening of a new aquarium. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. An attorney with the Mississippi Center for Justice says his clients won a partial victory in the lawsuit seeking to expand absentee voting during the coronavirus pandemic. In a decision on Wednesday, Hines County Chancery Court Judge Denise Owens ruled voters with pre-existing conditions are eligible to vote absentee. Attorney Robert McDuff, who represented six plaintiffs in the suit, says the decision still falls short. He tells our Desiree Frazier those with concerns over crowded polling places should be protected too.
2: The ruling met part of what we were hoping to accomplish. We also believe that under Mississippi law, even people who don't have existing medical medical conditions should be able to vote absentee because they are following public health guidance. To avoid community events. But the judge did not agree with our position in that respect. Uh, and so we are, we, um, you yeah, know, we, we wish that were different. We think the judge was wrong in that regard, but we do believe she was right with respect to her ruling regarding uh, existing medical conditions.
3: What happens now? How does this impact going to the polls? Well, I think
2: there is going to be an appeal from the Secretary of State with respect to the uh, to, to the judge 's ruling regarding existing medical conditions, unfortunately, the Secretary of State takes the position that even if you have an existing medical condition that increases your risk if you contract covid nineteen you are not able to vote absentee as a result of that condition. So I think they're going to appeal to the Mississippi Supreme Court. And then we likely will also appeal with respect to the portion of the ruling that we disagree with. So I think we're going to have a decision at some point by the Mississippi Supreme Court on this issue.
1: Mary Harwell is one of the six plaintiffs in the lawsuit and agrees with McDuff. The 45-year-old who has type 1 diabetes and has self-quarantined since March says she is thankful she can vote absentee, but the decision could still put her family at risk.
4: The thought of going to the polls and possibly standing in lines with, you know, more than 10 people or really anyone at all just being indoors um, was scary to me. And so when I started you know, looking at what the guidelines are um, for voting absentee, I really wasn't sure if I qualified or not. Um, it just wasn't clear to me. Um, and so that's when I reached out for help.
3: What do you think about the judge's ruling uh, that expands the right for those with preexisting conditions who are at a higher risk to vote absentee?
4: Um, I am very thankful for that. I'm very thankful for the Mississippi Center for Justice and for the ACLU of Mississippi for making that happen but I think that um, like they do, I feel like it needs to go further Um, you know, I can vote absentee now but my husband can't Um, and you know, my people's family members can't Um, so he goes and votes and then he comes home and, you know, if I understand correctly the way the virus works, he's going to expose us. So, so I just feel like it needs to go further. And then anyone who is concerned about this virus, I mean, we're being warned by you know doctors from the CDC not to go into public places, try to avoid indoor areas. So we're afraid and we're worried about our health and the health of our family members. Um, and I really feel like anyone should have the option to vote absentee in this election. So I do hope that it goes further.
3: How have you been feeling over the course of this time? You said that you've been self isolating since March. Um,
4: <laughs> lonely, frustrated. Um, I mentioned that I also have a son who is 13 years old. Um, he has severe autism and cerebral palsy. Um, and is also immunocompromised. Um, he requires 24-7 care from me. Um, so not only am I concerned about him being exposed to this virus, I'm concerned about myself being high risk and the possibility of me getting sick and not being able to take care of him. Um, my 78-year-old mother also lives with us. Um, she's high risk, obviously. So I guess I'm just really... I'm scared. Um, I And the last thing I want to do, I feel very strongly about this election. I really want to vote. I really want every family member that is eligible to vote in my house to be able to vote. But I want them to be able to do it safely.
3: And right now, you can vote, as you said. But those Mm -hmm. that have a fear of going and standing in line or Mm -hmm. being in proximity to others to vote, Really, don't have that option.
4: They don't, and that's scary and sad to me. Um, we're we're being told to follow these guidelines, and people are trying to do that. Yet, <laughs> this huge election is coming up, and um, in order to vote, you have to go outside of of those warnings and those guidelines that we've been given by the doctors at the CDC.
3: Well, what would you say to critics who say, well, you go to the grocery store, you pick up takeout food, you're in lines if you go out of your home. So there is no difference between that and going to vote at a polling place.
4: Um, I would say I think you would be surprised that a lot of people aren't in the lines at the grocery store (laughs) And, and a lot of people aren't in the lines at Walmart. They're getting pickup like I'm doing from the parking lot with my mask on with an employee six feet away, putting the groceries in my trunk. I think a lot of people are doing that. And this is who that is for. Those are people who are, who are just really uneasy about it and being extremely cautious about um, the pandemic. And um, so, you know, I think that it's a different situation and also at the polls, you know, at a grocery store, you kind of have control over when you can get in line, maybe when there's no one else in the line, or you can make sure that, that you are six feet from other people. And at the polls, I and mean, you you have to stand in line and <laughs> you don't know if there's going to be three people there or 50 people there waiting in line. Um, so yeah, those are my thoughts on that.
3: Mary Harwell, we really appreciate your taking the time to speak with us. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on this issue. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you.
1: In a statement, Secretary of State Michael Watson said his office is appealing the case to the Mississippi Supreme Court, seeking clarification on what temporary disability means so circuit clerks can apply the statute consistently. Coming up, the retired 1894 flag has long been seen as a hindrance for economic growth. We hear from the Economic Council about how Mississippi's new flag can open doors. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Michelle McAdoo. Join me along with Tara Wren for a special program, Mississippi Education Connection, a show dedicated to providing up to date educational resources for teachers, parents, guardians, and students. Each week, experts and guests will discuss how to educate Mississippi's youth throughout the coronavirus pandemic. That's Mississippi Education Connection, Friday mornings at 10 a.m., only on MPB Think Radio. When the Mississippi Legislature retired the 1894 flag in late June, the nation was at a fever pitch over issues like police brutality and systemic racism. The decision to permanently lower the flag was seen by some as a move towards social healing and reconciliation. For Scott Waller of the Mississippi Economic Council, it also signified an opportunity for the state to advance economically. He tells our Kobe Vance the state failed to attract development, in part because the old flag contained symbols many deem racist.
5: There's no question that that symbol had become an impediment for economic growth. Uh, Companies today are are taking a much closer look at how they expand, where they expand, where they locate, and and a lot of factors are now taken into account. And in, in reality, while a lot of people may point to either history or heritage with that flag. The reality of the fact is that symbol has become a symbol across the country and even across the globe of hatred and prejudice and in some cases oppression. And and that that resonates particularly in the corporate world that I believe that and others that serve in, you know, a much greater capacity on corporate boards and that Will tell you it's a factor. Uh, It had been a factor, and having it removed, remove that, remove one more impediment that will allow us to start thinking about how do we focus on the opportunities of the future.
6: Do you think that this flag that they've chosen is going to be uh, the one that Mississippi businesses can rally behind when uh, standing, when you know, flying above their buildings and uh, uh, being proud of the uh, state.
5: I think they already have. Many of my members are. are we, we've already ordered flags, and as soon as they get here, uh, they will start flying this flag even long before the vote. They, they're, they're the, the business community has understood for a long, long time that 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 flag was not a flag that was representative of all of our people, and and they did not want to fly it for that reason. They they felt like that they, they have employees who had, you know, they didn't want employees to feel like there was a a reason that they were flying the flag that had a symbol on it that they didn't care about. So you know when the bicentennial came around, MEC put together what was the bicentennial flag that used our state seal because it was a symbol of the official symbol of the state. And many businesses flew that as opposed to flying the state flag. Well, after the bicentennial year, I got many requests to hey can we just can we get that same flag with the letters taken off, which we did. Our our point on the new flag is we wanted it to be something that everybody could rally around it. I think that's one of the reasons that the commission and to me did such a good job with the process of keeping keeping the meetings open keeping the conversation where there could be public uh, input but more importantly trying to find a symbol that would just be something very recognizable to Mississippi while at the same time being something that we all feel like can feel good about how it was done
6: and now the flag still does have to be adopted by the people of Mississippi. But what um, what doors do you think this is going to open for businesses here in Mississippi? Are there other companies that are outside of the state that have held off on moving here because of our uh, our past flag?
5: Well, I, I think what we're going to see is we're going to see that opportunity where now the discussion about Mississippi uh, that is not part of the that's not part of the equation. You know, people say, well, we've we've attracted Nissan, we've attracted this company. There's not a single Fortune 500 company that's headquartered in the state of Mississippi. Now we have the opportunity because we ha- we have some ability to bring companies here. Companies move headquarters. Companies do those kinds of things. But in many cases, in many cases, we have no idea what we've lost because you know a lot of times a company is not going to come out and make that statement. So I think once we can can get get the the flag on the ballot, and hopefully. All goes well and it's uh, adopted. Then you know it's one less thing we'll have to worry about. It will allow us to really just keep keep moving our state forward in such a positive manner that really will make a difference for future generations.
1: Scott Waller is with the Mississippi Economic Council. Prior to the change, limitations also extended to collegiate athletics. The NCAA prohibits championship games in states with flags containing the Confederate battle emblem. That denied the state opportunities to attract marquee postseason events that could boost local economies. Dennis Driscoll, Associate Athletic Director at Jackson State University, says he likes the proposed design and looks forward to JSU's teams proudly waving a new state flag when entering the field.
0: a flag itself, it represents something. Now, from Mississippi, the previous flag obviously um, shows some good divisiveness. I mean, it is what it is. So for the people of Mississippi to move forward and to come together as one, you need to have a unifying symbol. And for us, that's a flag. And I think that the flag that was selected um, from the commission is great. Um, when you look at it, you think of Mississippi.
6: And now Jackson State is uh, one of the largest HBCUs here in Mississippi. And um, so as far as that symbol that was on our old flag and removing that, and now replacing it with a, a magnolia and um, symbols that are were taken from diverse sections of the state um what does that mean to your university um to have that uh, a flag that more rep- or the goal of the flag is to more represent mississippians as a whole
0: it, just, it means we've moved forward together as a state um you, you want a flag that brings people together and the new flag does that um it doesn't matter uh what skin color you are uh, what religious affiliation you are it doesn't matter if, if you're from the delta the coast city, it means one. And uh, I know that at Jackson State University, we're going to be proud to fly that state flag.
1: The In God We Trust flag, adorned with a white magnolia encircled by 21 stars, will be on the ballot for voter approval in November. Coming up, the coast celebrates post-Katrina revitalization with the grand opening of a new aquarium. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
5: Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker.
1: We are the You Could Drive-In Theater. We're the last operating drive-in in in the state of Mississippi.
5: Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker.
2: Freak me out that you could come and drive your car and park and watch the movie
3: outside.
5: You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app, Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast.
1: This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Fifteen years after Hurricane Katrina decimated the Mississippi Gulf Coast, local leaders are celebrating the opening of what they say is a symbol of the area's revitalization. The Mississippi Aquarium officially opened its doors on August 29th, giving the state and region a world-class facility designed to inspire and educate. Aquarium CEO Kurt Allen says the day seemed like a fitting tribute to the coast's efforts to rebuild. Build.
7: We looked at our opening date and it was we knew it would be around that time frame and when we realized that the the Katrina anniversary was there, we really wanted to highlight all of the good revitalization that's been going on over the last fifteen years across the Mississippi coast. And so we picked that date to try to put a put a fresh light on that date and put some good news out. Um and just kind of put a cherry on the top of the story of you know what? We're back, we're resilient, we're strong, and we've got a great new attraction and and uh, we really want to put the positive light on what's happening on the coast.
1: Kurt, if you would describe the aquarium for us, yeah, the aquarium is
7: is a, a, about a six acre campus. We call it a campus because we're inside and outside. so, A lot of aquariums that people visit are all in one building, but we're actually split up inside and outside. So when you come in, we have a crocodilian exhibit with alligators and crocodiles. We have a freshwater river outside that that highlights the Mississippi species. Uh, We have an outdoor river otter exhibit with our river otters. Um, Our dolphins aren't here yet, but we have an outdoor dolphin exhibit. And then when you walk into the main aquarium building, uh, the experience starts on our third floor. So there's a very cool entry experience and then you kind of corkscrew through the building working your way down kind of through the water column so you start kind of on the surface with touch tanks Uh, and the big hook is kind of on our second level which is our acrylic tunnel and then our large window we've got a bunch of windows on the first floor and the large window is just an eye popper everybody that walks around the corner and sees the big window is just in awe of what we have to offer.
1: And judging by what you said, we're not talking sea creatures, this is really Mississippi's aquarium and that you're featuring river and you have freshwater fish and other uh, wildlife. And the,
7: the, the kind of the theme of the aquarium is from brown to blue and beyond. And so the messaging that we have on our signage throughout the aquarium, we actually talk about the brown waters of the Mississippi coming down through the state. Going into the sound and then beyond, so we we are the state's aquarium. We want to showcase what the state has to offer. It's not just a coast aquarium, and we want to highlight what the entire state has to offer. So, we've even worked with the fishery and parks people about bringing fish down from up north uh, because we do want to highlight what you can see right in your own backyard. You know, if you live on the coast. You know, you've got the saltwater species, but if you live up in Jackson or up in North, you know Tupelo or up north in the Delta, it's a whole different type of uh, environment. And we want to be able to showcase everything that the state has to offer.
1: How far <laughs> out are you promoting the aquarium? How far outside Mississippi? Uh,
7: yeah, we look at at kind of at the drive market. So we've got things uh, throughout Jackson, Mobile, New Orleans uh you know the two hour two and a half hour drive market right now is really what the niche is with people still not traveling by air very much um, we really need to concentrate on our local population and then that drive market we had quite a few people coming over from louisiana we had a lot of people from up north coming in over the weekend Uh, i talked to several families from mobile and other parts of alabama so That's really the reach that we have right now is that uh, two- to three-hour drive market.
1: And, again, I know it's hard for you to predict with COVID, but initially, in planning purposes, what do you think the economic impact will be on Mississippi, the Gulf Coast in particular, but all of the state?
7: Yeah, I mean, the numbers on a pre-COVID, you know, it was an economic impact. If you do all the multipliers of a couple hundred million dollars a year as as an impact, I look more locally, and the way we impact um, direct impact for us—we've got 81 employees already, so that's 81 new jobs we've created, and it's a you know it's a good wage range within our scale. And there's just a, there's a lot of projects that are now interested in coming into downtown and along the coast because the aquarium has opened. So I look at those direct benefits of how can we drive the economic development. And then if you take it one kind of one step further, you know, if we have 2000 people that come in on a, last Saturday, for instance, they all have to buy gas, they have to buy food, they have to buy whatever they're buying around and coming down, they're staying overnight, we're driving hotel rooms, though, that's the economic benefit that the aquarium is going to be able to drive from now until you know whenever
1: now we are in the middle of hurricane season and i have to ask <laughs> what what plans are in place to respond uh, i mean how do you how do you help all the yeah. birds and the fish and the wildlife
7: yeah what's nice is a uh, uh, several people on our staff have been through hurricanes at other facilities so we do have a little bit of experience but we that's been thought about from pre-design and so our buildings that are on the campus are designed for 160 mile an hour wind load so our buildings are pretty secure the outside facilities the gators uh, and crocs we can actually box up and move if we have to the birds we would bring inside we'd create them up and bring them inside into safety the freshwater River is one that probably would just kind of hang out and do what they do um, Dolphins. We would make decisions on evacuating dolphins uh, depending on the storms. The river otters we can take inside a building very easily. One of the things we did during construction is is the base elevation for the entire aquarium is at elevation 25, uh, 25 feet above sea level. Katrina floodwaters were about twenty four and a half feet in this location. So we've built up to try to avoid some of the the surge waters. We have a flood wall that surrounds a a part of our facility and then in our life support yard we have huge emergency pumps that can pump water out so that our systems can keep running so from the from the very pre-planning days until now we've thought hurricanes in the plan so whether that's in the construction model or whether that's in the operational model with the animals, we've got a plan. We've, we, we, you try to plan for everything. Mother Nature is going to throw things that you don't expect, but for the most part, we've planned as much as we could for uh, those types of events.
1: Well, it sounds wonderful. Let's get this coronavirus out of the way so people can go in mass, in masses to, uh, right. to see the Mississippi Aquarium. We've been speaking with Kurt Allen, who is the CEO and president of the Mississippi Aquarium. Kurt, thank you so much.
7: Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day.
1: This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning.